Trawler Talk, the podcast for trawler nuts and long-range cruising enthusiasts. As the signature podcast of Passage Maker Magazine, Trawler Talk aims to engage, educate, and inspire as we dive into the very best of the long-range cruising lifestyle. I'm your host, Andrew Parkinson. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Andrew Parkinson here. I'm the editor-in-chief of Passage Maker Magazine, and I'm also the host of this first-ever episode of Trawler Talk, where I'm going to go way outside my comfort zone from writing to you from the ocean waves to instead talking on the airwaves to take us all down a new path that we thought might be kind of fun. This idea to produce a podcast came to us at Trawler Fest last year. Surrounded by a bunch of like-minded individuals passionate about trawler life, I was struck by how boaters like you and me love to talk boats at anyone with an earshot for as long as they'll listen. There's just a natural connection that happens when boaters talk to other boaters. And if you're listening now, I imagine you can relate. So with Trawler Talk, we wanted to bring you a spoonful of topics related to cruising and the great life afloat, specifically for the trawler guy, in a format you can enjoy anytime, anywhere. I hope you like what we're going to do. I think you will. And so for our first episode, I wanted to get into a hot topic that both seasoned trawler owners and the new trawler curious folks can probably relate to. And that is, what's a trawler anyway? So we all know there are a lot of opinions out there about what a trawler is today. Depending on who you talk to, it might be a full displacement motorboat that can cross oceans. Others might say trawlers should have an essence of workboat to them. Still, some will argue that a trawler can be any type of cruising boat, and it's really more about how you use it. It's about the lifestyle, right? Most people I've talked to tend to agree that a trawler is a boat where form follows function. It should have good sea-keeping ability, long-range capability, and realistic accommodations for extended living. Fair enough. It's a lot to unpack, and there's always a little dissension about it, so I sat down with industry insider Phil Friedman. Phil is a consultant with decades of experience as a yacht builder, shipyard manager, and a small craft surveyor. He's a self-titled unrepentant ragbagger and a seven-year liveaboard who's been well-published in the fields of yacht design, construction, repair, and maintenance. So I asked Phil point blank about this word trawler that we use. And what does it really mean? Well, I think I think the term itself is, is evolving. At least its application is evolving. It really has come to mean uh, a yacht intended for extended cruising and liveaboard, not necessarily a descriptive term with regard to the nature of the vessel itself. Uh, the fact of the matter is that uh, true trawlers are fishing boats, commercial fishing craft, and they uh, always had an exceedingly high displacement to length ratio. The displacement to length ratio is a non-dimensional coefficient that measures the amount of underwater volume that a hull has in relation to its waterline length. In general, true trawlers had DLs of well in excess of 400, whereas yachts will have DLs of anywhere between 100 and 250. At 300, a yacht is really heavy displacement. So all the yachts that we're familiar with have underwater volumes that are much smaller than a true trawler would have even if they have a profile that's reminiscent of what we call a, a trawler. Take us back to the origin of what we think of when we talk about a passage maker. This genre has some really deep roots. So how did it all come about? How did trawler life get to be such a specialty niche in the yachting circle? You know, as I see it, 
the entire genre was launched by Robert Beebe, who designed uh, a 53-foot yacht uh, at a time when the only long-range passaging that was being made were in sailing, small sailing yachts. And Beebe had the idea that instead of waiting for the weather to, to arrive and doing most of your passage making in, in rough weather, which is what sailing yachts generally do, um, he felt that uh, he, you could take a small powerboat with sufficient range and then run in calm and good weather along the routes that were generally followed by low-powered commercial shipping vessels. Robert Beebe designed and built a boat named Passage Maker, which actually inspired the name of our magazine. But there's some irony there, which I asked Phil to elaborate on. The irony of that is Beebe's Passage Maker, the boat, wasn't a trawler at all. It was a relatively narrow boat with much less freeboard and beam than what we see in so-called trawler yachts now. And it had a uh, very low, it's a light boat. It had a displacement length ratio of about 153. Yachts, normal yachts, have DLs between about 150 and 250. By the time you're reaching a DL of 300 in a yacht, that's becoming a very heavy displacement, relatively heavy displacement boat. And true trawlers, true commercial trawlers, have DLs in excess of 400. So the, the irony of this is that the vessel that launched this fascination or this genre, this fascination with long-range cruising and trawler yachts, wasn't itself a trawler. You know, I got an email about the boat Passage Maker a few weeks ago, along with a photo of her sitting on a mooring in Trinidad and Tobago. If you want to see that photo, by the way, guys, we posted it on our Instagram account, at Passage Maker Mag. Anyway, Passage Makers still float, and according to her most recent caretakers, which is the family of the late Peter Quintrell Thomas, her last long voyage was a round-trip crossing from the Caribbean to the Med in 2017-2018. Apparently, there's still some good life left in her, and she was just donated to the Sea Scouts in Trinidad and Tobago. How about that? That's good to hear, because when I first moved to, when I first sailed down on my own boat to South Florida, uh, I was headed up the, uh, I was headed up the Miami River to take her to a yard to have the bottom done. And lo and behold, I saw at a dock along the Miami River, BB's boat. Of course, he didn't own it and own her anymore at that time. Right. But what I was struck by, and I'm going to repeat this, what I was struck by, that was by comparison to what we consider the modern trawler yacht, she was quite diminutive. Much less beam, much less freeboard, much less volume, lower house. In fact, BB's boat looked more like a uh, sailing yacht that had been stripped of a rigging and mass than what we would consider, what we would think of as the paradigm trawler yacht of today. As we see the next generation trawler fanatics come into the marketplace and that audience skewing younger, you know, if you looked around the trawler docks at a boat show lately, you know what I'm talking about. Seeing a lot more younger families with kids than ever before. Where are we headed with what has previously been a very traditional genre? I see it settling down into, into a semi-displacement niche. There are going to be very few yachtsmen who will want a, quote, trawler yacht that's going to plane. Not going to want to pay for it. Not going to want to pay for the larger engines. Not going to want to pay for the increased fuel consumption. Just not going to want to run at those speeds. What most people, I think, are going to settle into wanting is a boat that's relatively comfortable and efficient, 
that will, at times, when they want to move faster, get up and go at, say, twice hull speed. You know, if, you, if your hull speed is, say, six to seven knots, most yachtsmen, I believe, will eventually be satisfied if they can crank it up and get up to 14 to 16, and that will do what they need to do, which is, say, to get them from Florida to the Bahamas or get them between a couple of islands in a reasonable amount of time and, and make those passages less arduous. Myself, I'm a, I'm a sailor. I, I'm many years as a sailor. Um, and I can tell you in later years, I had a, uh, I had a small uh, planing sport fish boat. And what we did was we carried a eight foot sailing dinghy and davits on the stern. So we enjoyed getting in the boat, running over to the Bahamas in three hours or less then anchoring and we drop the dinghy and go sailing for the rest of the weekend. That was the lifestyle that we per, we preferred. So that we, get, we chose the boat to do things that were in accord with that lifestyle. I think as the market expands, we're going to see more interest in more modern profiles. And that's going to, it's going to seep into what's heretofore has been the traditional trawler market. Really, there is no particular single profile or appearance that characterizes trawler yachts. You've got profiles that derive from original commercial fishing trawlers. You've got the trawlers that were popularized by people like Art de Fever and builders like Grand Banks building in, uh, in Asia. Uh, and then you've got uh, uh, various kinds of so-called trawler yachts that have profiles that are characteristic of Holland and the North Sea. They're not really similar to one another. Mm. They're quite distinct from one another, but they're all considered trawler yachts. Well, Phil, that's good information and certainly a great starting point, not only for our first episode of Trawler Talk, but also the broader conversation of what really is a trawler. Thanks for being here. Well, it's a pleasure being with you. Well, that's it for our first episode, folks. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for more episodes of Trawler Talk coming soon. And remember, for all your cruising needs, you can get your daily dose of Trawler Zen at PassageMaker.com. For Trawler Talk and PassageMaker Magazine, I'm Andrew Parkinson. Trawler Talk.